Good morning, and please turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, as we do that, let me wish you a happy Covenant Mercy Sunday. It is a joy to take one Sunday every year to focus on the ministry of Covenant Mercies. By the way, if you're a guest or you're new to the church, my name's Doug. I serve on the pastoral team, and the main part of my role on the team is to lead a separate nonprofit we've established called Covenant Mercies, which exists to build partnerships with indigenous churches in the developing world to care for orphans. That's really the heart of our mission. We do it mainly, uh, or in a, what that's centered around is our, what we call our orphan sponsorship program, whereby we are now caring for well over 1,500 fatherless children in Uganda, Ethiopia, and Zambia. Many of you have been sponsoring children for many, of year, many years. Uh, I look forward to giving you an update on the ministry uh, on the other side of the sermon. Uh, but in the first month of this year, we were all shocked and saddened, and we've referenced Will Broad already in the prayer this morning, when a dear friend of this church, a dear friend of Covenant Mercies, and a dear friend of mine personally, uh, was taken home suddenly to be with the Lord. I'm referring, of course, to Will Chanda, who is the founding pastor of Christ Community Church in Ndola, Zambia, and also the co-founder, along with his wife, Zicky, of Lighthouse Christian School, uh, Covenant Mercy's partners with Lighthouse to care for over 400 fatherless children in the region of Ndola, Zambia. Uh, Will was about six months shy of his 60th birthday, seemingly in good health, and then suddenly he was gone. Uh, Will Broad had many wonderful qualities, and probably the one that I will remember him most for uh, was his routine conversational quotation of the Word of God. Uh, he didn't do this in a way that was showy. He wasn't trying to show you how much he knew. He wasn't trying to impress you with his knowledge of the Word. He had simply so thoroughly consumed the Word of God that he came to speak in biblical language. Uh, it was said of John Bunyan that you could cut him anywhere and he'd bleed Bibline. And I think we could say the same about our brother, Will Broad. Um, he preached the word. He prayed the word. He encouraged with the word. He brought biblical wisdom and counsel and language into everyday mundane situations. Uh, and as a result of this, I think there's, I'll always hear certain scriptures in his voice. Uh, and if you knew Will Broad, you know he had a very distinctive voice. He had a big, booming baritone that I won't try to imitate. And a rich Zambian accent. Um, I can hear him in my mind praying, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. But perhaps the words I'll most closely associate with Will Broad, uh, so much so that I'll probably never read them again without hearing an echo of that big booming baritone in the back of my mind, are the words he used regularly as a biblical encouragement and said them to me many times. They come from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Your labors in the Lord are not in vain. Now, because of COVID testing requirements and the swift burials practiced in Wilbrod's home area, there was just no way I could get to Zambia in time for the funeral. Uh, but through the miracle of modern technology, I was able to set my alarm 
for the middle of the night, get up, go down to my family room and watch the funeral as it occurred from there. Uh, it was a beautiful and moving ceremony, and while it's not uncommon at all for this section of 1 Corinthians 15 to be read at Christian funerals, uh, it, it seemed especially appropriate in Wilbrod's case, almost as if he was whispering that encouragement to us one more time from beyond the veil. So if you're with me in 1 Corinthians 15, I want to begin reading in verse 50. I tell you this, brothers... Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And Lord, we pray that you would bless the preaching of your word. Well, 1 Corinthians 15 is well known as perhaps the most comprehensive defense of the doctrine of the resurrection in all of Scripture. Both the bodily resurrection of Christ as a historical fact and a theological necessity, and also the bodily resurrection of all those who place their faith in him. Now, some in Corinth had come under the influence of a teaching that denied the future bodily resurrection of God's people. And in the verses that precede our text for this morning... Paul makes a thorough, logical, theological, and historical argument for the reality and the importance of the resurrection. Now, our, our focus this morning will be on, on verse 58. We'll understand that biblical encouragement so much better if we see it in the full context of Paul's broader theological argument here. So let's just survey that argument briefly. Paul makes this theological argument Largely by repeat, repeating the phrase, in vain, again and again. It, you can turn back to, pay, uh, to uh, verse 2, where he essentially asked the Corinthians if they have believed in vain. Then down in verse 14, he asserts that if Christ has not been raised, your faith is in vain. I've been preaching to you in vain. Continuing with that same train of thought in verse 17... If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. That's another way of saying in vain. You're still in your sins. And then in, in verse 32, he makes the bold claim that if the dead are not raised, you might as well eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Apart from the resurrection, all is in vain. 
And I don't know about you, I, I read words like that and I immediately hear echoes uh, from the book of Ecclesiastes, especially the early chapters of Ecclesiastes, where the first person narrator, often referred to as the preacher, repeats again and again, all is vanity. All a man's toil under the sun amounts to nothing. It's in vain. It's like chasing after the wind. It's an exercise in futility. And what does the preacher identify as, as the key factor in all this futility? Well, it's the fact, it's the reality that the final enemy, death itself, will take it all away from you in the end. He observes that a wise man dies just the same as a fool. Sure, a wise man through his wisdom may build something of value during his life, but at the end of the day, the only thing that's guaranteed to him is death. And he can't even know for sure whether the fruit of his labors that he'll pass on to someone else will be inherited by a wise man or a fool. In vain we toil, the preacher says. The best we can do is to eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Well, the Apostle Paul picks up on this theme in 1 Corinthians 15, and he reminds us that this is the reality of life apart from the resurrection. In vain. That is, he picks up on that theme until he turns the corner in verse 20 and reminds us that Christ, in fact, has been raised, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. And because Christ has been raised, everything is different for us. That which would have otherwise been in vain now has meaning. And not only meaning, but eternal meaning and significance. And so Paul, after building this argument all through chapter 15, contending that if Christ is not raised, it's all in vain. But good news, Christ has been raised. He arrives at verse 58 and brings the argument to culmination by saying, therefore, therefore, in other words, in light of everything I've been saying for the last 57 verses, arguing for the, the necessity of the resurrection of Christ, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor, get this, is not in vain. Did you catch that stark contrast? Apart from the resurrected Christ, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. All your toil and labor under the sun is in vain. But because of Christ's death-defeating work and your union with him through faith, your labors in the Lord are not in vain. It's a complete reversal. Instead of laboring in vain, all our labor under the sun now has meaning. And so here, here's the main thing that I believe the Lord is saying to us through this text this morning. Because of all that Christ has secured for us through his death and resurrection, our labors in the Lord are unswerving, energetic, and eternally significant. And I just want to break down those three characteristics of our labors in the Lord. They're unwavering, they're energetic, and they are eternally, eternally significant. First of all, our labors are unwavering. Uh, the word the, the ESV uses here is steadfast. To be steadfast means to be firmly fixed in place, unyielding, unswerving, unwavering, not subject to change. 
Now, the Greek word that's translated steadfast here is used in only one other place in all of Scripture. It's in Colossians 1.23 where the Apostle Paul exhorts the Colossian Christians in a very similar way to be stable and steadfast. Listen, not shifting from the hope of the gospel you've heard. Not shifting. Regardless of the changes in the world around us, we do not shift from the gospel. We're called to be a people who, at our core, regardless of what's going on out there, remain the same. Now, I probably don't need to tell you that we are living in a world that is quite the opposite of that. We're living in a world that is constantly shifting, constantly tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by every story that hits the 24-hour news cycle, by every new trend that comes along down the pike. Uh, I think it was Twitter that turned the word trend from a noun into a verb. Uh, to be trending on Twitter is a coveted designation. Um, unless you're trending for the wrong reason, like the hate mob is after you, and then maybe it's not so, it's not so coveted. Um, but if you, if you go onto Netflix, you scroll down, and immediately you see trending now. Uh, if you click on your newsfeed on your phone, you just scroll down, it says trending stories. Apparently, some marketing gurus have done some research and determined that we like to look to trends to decide what we're interested in, to decide what's important to us. And I, I think they're right. I think it's part of the fallen human condition to follow after the herd regardless of whether or not the herd is informed by the truth of God's word. Into our fallenness and into the cultural noise that exploits it, the word of God speaks to us this morning. Be steadfast, immovable, as a disciple of Christ, your priorities, my priorities, are defined by him. We need to stick with them. Don't waver from them. Maintain a holy stubbornness. I know there's an unholy version of that, but I have it sometimes. But maintain a holy stubbornness, a holy determination not to be moved. Now, when I was a younger man, I was a basketball player, and... Um, these days I don't play much basketball because a twisted ankle can result in six months to never being healed again uh, <laughs> at my age. But um, I'll still beat you in a game of horse. Can I get an amen, Jared? <laughs> okay, good. Um, I'll still beat you in a, and that is a challenge I'm putting out there. Now, this is because a horse is just a shooting game. All you need to be able to do is make a lot of shots to win at horse. You don't have to be in shape. You don't have to be young anymore. Um, so I can win in horse because I learned how to shoot a basketball with an acronym called BEEF. I'm gonna get, this is for free. I'm going to give you a little lesson. All right? First, the B stands for balance. All right? You want to be square to the basket. You want, if you're a right-handed shooter, your right foot should be a little ahead of your left. The first E, elbow straight. All right? You can't shoot like this. Elbow Just like you're throwing a dart, elbow straight. The second E, eyes on the target. And then the F is for follow through, okay? You could also say release, but that would make the, that would make the acronym less protein rich. Um, follow through, okay? Now, what I wanna focus on here is the second E, eyes on the target. 
in a basketball game, you have defenders who are trying to get your eyes off the target. Their job is to distract you. If they can't block that shot, they're going to put their hand in front of your face if they can. Or they're going to make a run at your midsection and try to get you to look down. The crowd may be shouting things to try to distract your attention. If you're standing on the free throw line, they might be waving those squiggly things from behind the basket. That's to get you to take your eye off of the target. If you want to make that shot, you must keep your eyes trained on the target, just that front rim, and just put that shot right over the front rim. Listen, we have an opponent in our Christian walk as well, an enemy who would love to distract us, would love to tempt us to shift our focus rather than remaining steadfast and keeping our eyes trained on the target. Let me ask you, what kind of distractions are you facing in your walk with Christ? Have you allowed anything to move your eyes off the target that he has set? What would it look like for you to maintain an unwavering determination to train your eyes on that target that Christ has set for you? Well, if you go to covenantmercies.org, our website, you can find your way pretty easily to a page that lays out our core values. Uh, And I'm happy to tell you that though we're almost 20 years old, by the way, we hit our 20th anniversary as an organization next year, though we're almost 20 years old, uh, the core values you will find there are the same core values that have defined us and animated us from day one. Uh, The very first one, which has also been in first position since day one, reads as follows. It says, we believe that the gospel is central to all we do. Its effect on us is the primary motivator for our ministry. Its effect on others, the desired result. I want to say to you this morning, this is our foundation and it always will be. We don't shift from the hope of the gospel. We don't move on to newer things. Now, does this mean that we don't evaluate ourselves and make changes intended to improve our effectiveness? No, immovability doesn't mean inflexibility with regard to methods. What it means is that Jesus sets the agenda, and that doesn't change. Jesus sets our priorities. Regardless of what may be going on in the world around us, we must remain unwavering, steadfast, immovable in our pursuit of the word, the work the Lord has called us to. Well, secondly, our labors are energetic. Uh, In case you read that word immovable and pictured yourself transforming into a couch potato for the glory of God, apparently I'm not supposed to move. I'm just going to sit here. Uh, No, Immovability doesn't mean immovability in that sense. We are steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Uh, This kind of steadfastness and immovability doesn't lead to sitting around. It leads to always abounding in work. Uh, The words that that Paul uses here to uh, carry a connotation of abundance, even excess, We are to be rich in the work of the Lord, excessive, overflowing with abundance. Now, maybe it's my age. Turns out I'm referencing my age a lot this morning. Um, Maybe it's my age, but that sounds tiring to me. (laughs) It sounds tiring to be abundantly active in that way. It sounds like it requires a lot of energy, 
I'm not always convinced I have in reserve. Uh, my wife and I are empty nesters now, and uh, we, we had all girls in our home when they were growing up. We didn't have any sons, and uh, we have our first boy now as grandparents. He's about two and a half years old. His name's Theo, and he is a bundle of energy. When I think about this phrase, always abounding, I think of Theo. Uh, we, we had the pleasure of going to the beach recently, and, and uh, as a family, we had all the grandkids there, and uh, you would set him down on the beach, and boom, he's immediately off to the races. He's, he's to the water's edge, and then takes a right turn, and just keeps running as long as you will let him, <laughs> with all the energy you can imagine. Now, I look at that and say, wow. I'm reminded why you have your children, you tend to have children in your 20s and 30s, maybe a little bit into your 40s, not in your 50s, because it's hard to keep up with that guy. I don't have the energy for that. What, we're, not talking about spirit, we're not talking about physical energy here. We're talking about spiritual commitment and eagerness to, be, to throw yourself into the work of the Lord. I love the way the NIV puts it, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. The Revised Standard Version, always excelling in the work of the Lord. Uh, the King James is just like the ESV, always abounding. Now, did you notice the common word in all those translations? Always, always. This is a, a great insight into the Greek here. Always apparently means always in the original language. <laughs> this is our mission for the duration. Okay, regardless of whether you're young and you feel like you have a lot of energy for it, regardless of whether you've been walking with the Lord for decades, our mission for the duration is to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. As God's people saved through his de the death and resurrection of Christ on our behalf, our lives are to be consistently characterized by abounding in the work of the Lord, excelling in the work of the Lord, giving ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. That doesn't sound to me like something that can be done halfway. We're not hedging our bets here. We are all in with both feet. Uh, and my brother, Will Broad, would, be, uh, would not have wanted me to reference him so much, but since he's already gone on and received his reward, I'd like to use him as an example of always abounding in the work of the Lord. Our brother was the uh, senior pastor, the founding pastor of Christ Community Church, which was a growing church, but uh, he was also the founder of the Copper Belt Pastors College, um, and he spent many an evening, when I was there and when I would communicate with him from here, I would learn, he, he would spend many an evening pouring himself into local pastors and prospective pastors. He would, he would schedule classes on holidays because he knew the, the, the students would be available so that he could pour into them because he had received theological training that few in his area had been blessed with. And while Will wisely steered clear of the day-to-day -day operations of Lighthouse Christian School, um, wild horses could not have kept him away from the work site when we, were, when we had any kind of construction project going on. I used to say to him, like, if I wasn't so sure, 
you were called to be a pastor and a trainer of pastors, I think you may have, I might say you may have missed your calling. Uh, you should have been a, a construction engineer or something like that. He loved, he was like a kid in a candy shop anytime he got an opportunity to put that hard hat on. He gave himself fully to the work of the Lord. Could have spent many of those evenings and holidays with his feet up and it wouldn't have been wrong for him to do that, but he was so eager to give himself to the work of the Lord. Now listen, this doesn't mean that we never take a rest. Uh, if you know me well, you're aware that I love my day off and I, I rest on my day off. I know how to take a vacation. Uh, this, the Covenant Mercies team knows, you, hey, you know how to reach me if it's an emergency. Otherwise, don't expect me to be checking email on vacation. Sabbath rest is an important part of the rhythm of our lives and, and God has made us dependent creatures. He's the only one who neither slumbers nor sleeps. So always abounding doesn't mean that we're always on all the time, never taking a rest. Uh, what we're talking about here is a consistent rhythm of life that presses in and presses on in the work of the Lord. See, Christians aren't simply people who go to church on Sunday and have private beliefs that align with Christian orthodoxy. If you read 1 Corinthians 15, you will understand Paul is very serious about orthodox belief. He's very serious that the Corinthians need to get their doctrine of the resurrection straight. He spends 57 verses making that clear. But this sound doctrine is not meant to produce people who just sit around pontificating about their sound doctrine. These beliefs, this doctrine is meant to fuel something. Which is why Paul comes to verse 58 and says, Therefore, the sound doctrine of verses 1 through 57 is meant to create a people who are always abounding energetically in the work of the Lord. And thirdly and finally, our labors in the Lord are eternally significant. They are not in vain. How does the reality of Christ's death and resurrection translate into fuel for our steadfast and energetic work in the kingdom of God? It's through our rock-solid knowledge that because of Christ and his death and resurrection for us, our work has eternal value and meaning. We're not striving after the wind. Rather, because, of Christ, because Christ has been raised and because we'll also be raised imperishable with him, we are engaging in work that has eternal significance. I want you to, to note the certainty of Paul's language here. So we don't merely think, well, based on the preponderance of the evidence, you know, I've kind of weighed things out and I think it's more likely than not that our labors are not in vain. No, he says, knowing that in the Lord your labors are not in vain. This is an exhortation to engage your mind and take account of what you know. Not what you feel, not what you heard from some trending news source. What you know from God's word. And what is it that we know? Let's just turn back again. Uh, just briefly to uh, verses 3 and 4. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance 
with the Scriptures. What more do we know? Read with me in the second half of verse 52. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And based on that knowledge, we can say with the apostle in verse 55, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? But thanks be to God, verse 57, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This, brothers and sisters, is what we know. And what we know about Christ's victory over death is directly connected to what we know about our labors in the Lord. The very next word after this spontaneous celebration of Christ's victory over sin and death is the word, therefore. Therefore, be steadfast and immovable, knowing that your labors in the Lord are not in vain. Because of the victory Christ has won for us, and by virtue of our union with him in it, we know that the work we engage in for his glory has eternal value and significance. Now, I've, I've heard uh, some Christian leaders whom I respect and otherwise agree with on mostly everything suggest that there's nothing particularly Christian about humanitarian work. Uh, after all, Bill Gates, Oprah Winfrey, the United Nations, they can all do that. And, and I understand the caution because the church needs to be about the work of proclaiming the gospel as a first priority. But they would suggest that out of a philanthropic motive, others can go about the business of alleviating human suffering. And I would say, okay, yes, they can do that. And apart from Christ, it is in vain. Now, I don't mean for that to come across as harsh in any way. I thank God that by his common grace, even those who don't know him are able to recognize that it's a good thing to care for orphans. Uh, there's, a, there's a level on which we can celebrate this and should celebrate this, give glory to God that by his grace the sun rises on the evil as well as the good. The rain falls on the just as well as the unjust. And even those who don't know the Lord can recognize that it's a good thing to alleviate human suffering. But let's get this clearly. Covenant Mercies is not engaged in mere humanitarian work. We are extending the loving and merciful hand of God toward those who are suffering in our world, caring for them, body and soul, knowing with the full confidence of faith that in the Lord our labors are not in vain. Only the body of Christ can do that. Only the body of Christ, wholly bound to him as our head, is capable of ministering the many-faceted mercies of God to a lost and dying world. And brothers and sisters, it gives God great glory when we do this steadfast and immovable, knowing by faith that in the Lord our labors are never in vain. Well, I'm going to transition now to beginning, uh, just give you a brief update on the ministry of Covenant Mercies. We're working in three countries, as many of you know. We're working in Uganda, Ethiopia, and Zambia. 
And probably the biggest challenge of the last couple of years has been responding to the ever-changing COVID regulations uh, and maintaining a continuity of care, especially in the education of our children, which if if you've been with us for many years, you know that education is one of the most critical factors in providing care for our children. Well, you may recall that in February 2020, we had the joy of opening Hope Community Primary School in Western Uganda. And this was after spending most of 2019 uh, on the first phase of construction. You're looking at phase one of the construction that we completed just in time for the 2020 school year. Well, as you also will recognize, schools closed everywhere in March 2020. Um, But in Uganda, unlike our other program areas, schools have reopened in Zambia, schools have reopened in Ethiopia. In Uganda, schools remain closed to this day for children on those those lowest grades of primary school. Now, this is a significant headwind uh, for children whose education is critically important to help them break out of multi-generational cycles of poverty. But I want to tell you, encouraging stories have emerged from these challenges as well. And I want to invite David Mayinja uh, to come up and tell you this story. David is our Director of International Development in Covenant Mercies. Uh, David was a member of Covenant Fellowship Church along with his family until they went out on a church plant several years ago. Uh, So you don't get to see as much of him on Sunday mornings these days, but uh, David has continued working for Covenant Mercies through all these years, and I I want you, sorry, I'm making him wait now. (laughs) I want you to understand, as, as thrilled as I am and proud as I am of our teams on the ground, for their resilience in dealing with these challenges. Uh, Talk about steadfast and immovable. They have kept their eyes fixed on the goal. Um, I want you to understand that all of that is done under David's leadership. He has been on point for that uh, site development at the school. He is on point for leading our teams in Uganda. And uh, let me allow him to tell you the encouraging story. Good morning, church. The nationwide lockdown in Uganda due to the pandemic left over 15 million school children out of school, and that has continued until this day. Concerned that our sponsored children in Covenant Mercies would not be able to access education for an extended period of time, Covenant Mercies launched community learning centers. These were launched in both the Eastern and Western programs in Uganda. Through the community learning learning centers, we have been able to provide the elementary and high school children with continued educational support right in their home villages. Since July 2020, over 400 children have received educational support right at home several times a week, and uh, outdoors in small groups, distanced and well well cared for uh, to prevent them from getting COVID. They also were provided with a nutritious meal. This has kept them coming back. The results of these efforts have been very encouraging. Recent assessment tests have indicated great improvement in the learning outcomes of our students, uh, we, we have seen improvement in overall math and language skills, 
The students who participated fully uh, were fully prepared for their annual exams that happened this past March. And I'm pleased to report that 81% of the children in Hope Community School passed these exams and have been promoted to the next class. Since the children that we serve are, you know, uh, are served in uh, a setting uh, that is uh, with guardians in uh, uh, an unextended family setting, um, continuity of education would have been impossible during COVID because in these settings there is no access to uh, online learning. Uh, Guardians are not able to have the resources uh, to do any kind of home-based learning. So our community learning centers were an answer to prayer to many of these guardians. Uh, they, they saw these as an evidence of God's care for them and for their children. So, so they, they give praise to God that we were able to step in this way. Uh, now, I, I think you will be pleased to know that one of the people, one of the teachers that spearheaded this effort of setting up uh, community learning centers was once a child in our Western Uganda program. Her name is Mildred Naturinda. Um, Mildred, I'll, I'll give a, a brief, a brief uh, narration on her story. Mildred was the youngest of four children uh, she lost her parents to AIDS and was brought up by her older siblings. Uh, when Mildred finished her elementary education, her older brother told her he could no longer afford to pay for her education. So he let her know that the best way for her to take care of herself would be to learn how to grow food in the garden and be able to sell it in the local market. Mildred was left with little hope for a promising future. But through the networks of the community, uh, our leader, Pastor Nkwasibwe, in the Western program, got to know about Mildred's, uh, Mildred's situation. And uh, in 2014, Mildred was enrolled in our sponsorship program in the Western uh, area. And she was allowed to attend high school, where she excelled in her studies and also learned about the redemptive love of Jesus Christ. She gave her life to Christ during that time. Uh, she later earned her certification in early childhood development and got a job as a teacher in a nearby uh, town. Uh, but when Mildred heard that Covenant Mercies was establishing a primary school in, uh, in the area, she applied to become a teacher at Covenant at uh, Hope Community School. Um, after interviewing competently and impressing the head teacher and the interviewing panel, uh, with high engagement, high insightful questions, and performance as a teacher, Mildred was hired. And Mildred has not disappointed us. I've sat in some of her classes, and she is an impressive teacher. Um, Mildred now leads a class. Mildred now leads a class of kindergarten students. Most of those students are in our sponsorship program. They are orphans, just as she once was. Mildred is able to understand them. She is able to relate to them in a personal way. And uh, uh, she is 
caring for these children, not only teaching them, but she knows the pain and hardship of parental loss herself and is really be, uh, uh, taking a special care uh, for these children and they love her. Uh, here is a quote from Mildred regarding her present role at Hope Community School. I'm now fulfilling a mission that I had by helping little children, both spiritually and physically, so that they can meet their goals too. Thank you, Covenant Mercies, for being a pillar of strength in my life. May God bless you abundantly. Covenant Fellowship, thank you for your unwavering support of the work of Covenant Mercies. The sharing of the love of Jesus and bringing a quality education to these children is changing the trajectory of their lives and of their future. Now, let me uh, briefly turn uh, to uh, a video here that we have uh, of Rosabella Sabiti. She is the head teacher of Hope Community School. We asked her to put together a, a, a brief video so you could be able to really see the children of Covenant Mercies uh, being taught in their local environments, in the villages. It's a pleasure to have you here watch the story of Hope Community Primary School in Chivulala, Uganda. I'm Sadit Rosbera, the head teacher of Hope Community. I thank you so much for standing with us in all the situations that we have been going through. Since the pandemic started, we have been among the schools that have been seriously affected by the lockdown. Our school started in 2020, February 6th. From then, we were at school for only one and a half months. After that, we were hit by lockdown that has affected the whole of our country. So our children went home, we were expecting them in three weeks, in four weeks, in a month, and it continued like that. So when it reached July 2020, we sat down and looked for how we can help our children. We decided to make our own home learning materials, meet them in their villages, see how we can help them. So we thank God in the three centers that we set for the Hope Community children, we managed to be helping children, meeting them, and during that time, we would take our material. We focused mostly on reading, on English and mathematics, that is numbers. So we decided to teach them using our slates, using our papers, writing on manilas, and I'm very happy to report to you that our children really improved in reading, improved in numbers and English. Right now, most of them can read, can read simple stories. I want to thank God that through our assessment, these children managed to make it, and most of them were managed to be promoted to other classes. Love from my children, love from my staff, and everyone here. God bless you. Thank you, Covenant Fellowship. Thank you, David. Uh, I am so encouraged by that story. A, a team that could have just shrugged their shoulders and said, well, the government closed schools, there's nothing we can do, under David's leadership, really took initiative in that way. 
Well, thanks to the generosity of so many people in, in this room and, and elsewhere, uh, we have also been able to take advantage of the school closures of the past year by continuing to develop the campus. So this is the brand new multi-purpose hall, uh, which is now complete on the campus of Hope Community Primary School. Um, this will be, in addition to all the obvious educational uses of this building, it will also be part of the sustainability plan. We want the school to have a budget that's sustainable outside of funds coming from afar. And so uh, this will be part of the sustainability plan as well as they rent it out to, uh, for local functions and things like that on the, on the weekends and during the school breaks. I understand we're already getting inquiries, although the government won't currently allow us to uh, rent it out in that way. Let me quickly shift gears to Zambia. Um, as many of you know, we were in the midst of a major construction project when our, our, uh, our hard-hatted friend, um, Wilbrod was fully engaged in that when the Lord sadly took him home earlier this year. Again, we have over 300 sponsored children receiving their care and education through Lighthouse Christian School. And uh, this is the new building that we had envisioned. This is the artist's rendering of that building. Uh, it was more than a bump in the road to lose Wilbrod in that process. Uh, but if anything, that has made the team on the ground there uh, even more eager to see it come to fruition. And so you're seeing now what it looks like today. We're getting closer to, to uh, finishing off that building. In fact, next uh, month, Lord willing, I'll be over there. David and I will both be over there for the official opening of this new building. Um, it has a vaulted ceiling right in the center there. You saw that, that green roof. Um, that is so that there can be this spacious assembly hall as well. And we have a picture of that also uh, as it's coming to fruition. You can go ahead and there you go. I don't know if you can see that cross in the center. Wilbrod had not told me about that. His fingerprints are all over this project, but there is a cross in the center of that uh, hall there. And we have decided as a board of directors at Lighthouse Christian School, we've decided to name this hall Wilbrod Chanda Hall in his honor. Um, that, this, this new building, you see the, the doorways on the outside of the assembly hall, those are for science labs and computer labs and additional classroom space, and we will be outfitting those spaces with all the equipment they need in the coming year. Well, in the brief time we have left, lest, lest you think that we're most excited about buildings and infrastructure, um, we are not. Those, those buildings are a means to an end of serving our children well in, in their educational development and their spiritual development. Uh, I want to take you to Addis Ababa briefly for a story that is probably the ministry highlight of the year for me. Um, we it's, Addis is still our youngest and smallest program. We have about 325 sponsored kids there now. Um, but we are getting our first wave of graduates from our program in Addis Ababa now. And when I was visiting there earlier this year, we decided to hold a special dinner in honor of the first four graduates of our sponsorship program who have now also graduated from university. Some of them by achieving full government scholarships, others who got scholarships through our Mapalo Scholarship Fund for higher education. We decided to uh, host a dinner in honor of these four. You can probably tell uh, from me, it's the next four over, who are those first four graduates. Ermias, Abraham, uh, Tariku, and Bezoit are our first four college graduates in uh, Ethiopia. And we had the opportunity to honor them by inviting about 50 of the teens 
in our current sponsorship program. So these are kids who were coming up behind them in our sponsorship program, uh, came out to a special dinner in their honor, and we asked each of those graduates to address their younger peers on this evening. Um, well, as you can tell from this photo, Bezuit was the one who uh, impressed, they all had wonderful words to say. Bezuit blew us away with what she had to say. Uh, now, all of this, by the way, is in Amharic, so I'm sitting there, imagine being me, I'm picking up one or two words here and there, but I don't know essentially what she's saying. I'm getting clued in by the staff member next to me who's just saying, oh, yes, amen, wow. He said, wow, so many times. <laughs> so I start leaning over, and I'm getting little updates here and there about what she said. Well, afterwards, I just had to know, and so I asked them, write out what she said. Tell me, tell me what it was. Uh, let me read you some excerpts from her comments on that evening as she addressed her younger peers. The Bible says, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. I would like to attribute every success and victory to my creator. I glorify God for strengthening, strengthening me through all my difficulties because I know that I couldn't have done any of it in my own strength. There are so many people who have great potential but are unable to succeed because they do not get opportunities to help them grow. I thank God for this ministry because through the continued support of Covenant Mercies, I was able to focus on my education and study in the field of my choice. She studied computer science on a Mapalo scholarship. To those of you who are still in school, I would like to tell you that there are so many children out there who do not get the opportunities you have through Covenant Mercies. Many children are not going to school due to lack of support, and many cannot afford to eat every day. So I urge you to be mindful and use the opportunities and gifts the Lord has given you wisely. Remember that God has, has entrusted us with the responsibility to be faithful stewards of what he has given us for his glory and according to his plan. Well, basically, we went from there and uh, made some beautiful comments from the parable of the talents and talked to her, her younger peers about what it m might look like to be good stewards of God's gifts to them in this stage of their lives. And I just sat there thinking, wow, I wish you all could have been there to experience that as well. Uh, we have talked through the years many times of our goal to see our children restored to everything God has created them to be as his image bearers. What a joy it is for me, and I trust it's a joy you can share in as well, to see an ever-increasing number of our sponsored kids not only graduating as young adults who are well-equipped to make a better life for themselves, but also many of them, like Bezuit, disciples of Christ, who are joining us in proclaiming the goodness of God and abounding in the work of the Lord along with us. Covenant Fellowship, thank you for your support through these many years of children, young people like Bezuit. Um, this has been a, a very quick overview of the ministry today, but we have a lot in the lobby, as you've probably seen. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about Covenant Mercies, maybe you're new to the church and, and you've got a lot of questions, please find me, find David. Uh, there's Covenant Mercies staff behind all those display tables out there. Uh, we would love to answer your questions and, and help you find ways that you could consider getting involved. Uh, there are, uh, right in the center of the lobby, there are profiles of children who are awaiting sponsorship 
in our program. So if you'd like to consider them, you can, you can consider that. And by the way, uh, if you're tuning in by live stream, there are children available for sponsorship on our website, covenantmercies.org as well. So you can check that out. More than any of, of that, Covenant Fellowship, I want to say to you, thank you. Thank you. Many of you have been participating in all of these ways and more for many years, and you have been steadfast for many years in doing so. May God give us grace to press on, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord our labors are not in vain. Amen.